I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is uh, the subject of a documentary, the author of 16 books and counting uh, memoirs coming out shortly. And, uh, of course, uh, the host of her own radio show slash podcast. And without further ado, let me bring on our host each and every week, Dr. Florence Weinberg. Doc, how are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, and, and I understand that you are just extremely busy traveling. Yeah, I've been traveling nonstop, and and uh, the the main part of the the you know the current assignment was to kind of gauge the interest of uh, and not interest, but the support level of uh, the Ukraine and uh, and or Russia. Uh, and I understand you're going to give us you're going to give us a, a, a good take on that a subject that's, um, I, you know, I, I want to say it's getting a little hotter. Right. It was dormant for a little yeah. while. And now all of a sudden, I think we're getting hotter. Yes, I think so, too. And uh, I think this talk will illustrate it. Um, and I'm going to be leaning on two authorities, uh, one on the right and one on the left, and I will give the one on the right first, who is Colonel Douglas McGregor. Have ah. you ever heard of him? No, I, I, I uh, when you say Colonel, Colonel uh, Douglas, uh, you know, I, I start thinking about uh, uh, MacArthur uh, was once a <laughs> once a colonel, but <laughs> no McGregor. This McGregor, time. right? So, uh, no, I him I don't know, but it does sound somewhat familiar. Maybe he shows up on TV and 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 radio from time to time. Uh, he may. Uh, he showed up on Judge Napolitano's show. Oh, I know him. Sure. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah. he has a. The flag logo, uh, the Don't Tread on Me flag, yeah, he's... Uh, as his opening. Uh, and I'm assuming this places him on the right. Because yeah, no, that flag, no doubt about it. Yeah, but, that yeah. flag was prominent at the attack on the Capitol. Oh, my God. So, uh, so um, uh, anyways, uh, the... Um, uh, the interview began with a bald statement from uh, Colonel McGregor saying none of the senior generals want to fight in Ukraine. And I think we all know that, and we have known it from the start. But, uh, but in any case, uh, that was his opening. And he goes on to say that neither we nor our allies are prepared to fight Russia. We simply... Uh, wouldn't be able to sustain that um, because of the outcry from everybody. Uh, we actually have nothing to gain. We have no skin in this fight, and therefore we're really essentially not interested. Wow. And he goes on to say that time is running out because Ukraine is losing and will soon go out of existence. It is crumbling. And it's, he, he goes on to illustrate this by saying that Ukraine began with a population of 37.5 million people. But of that 37.5, 4 million are now in Russia have been deported and uh, are now probably doing slave labor in Russia. 10 million Ukrainians fled. That's now 14 million gone. 157,000 are dead or wounded. Oh, my God. That, wow. Yeah. That's that three times that's, Vietnam. Yeah, that is huge. And uh, there are approximately, he says, 18 to 20 million people left in Ukraine at this moment. And Ukraine cannot sustain a war with such a small population. And then uh, he added a comment that the birth, birth rate in Ukraine is low, as if, as if having babies right now would help with the war. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, it has a low birth rate, um, as m many European uh, countries do. And then he goes on to say the CIA has been lying to the United States government and the people from the beginning. Wow. Because Russia is winning, and uh, Russia will crush Zelensky. 
uh, his, the Russian and Putin's approach is the meat grinder approach to annihilate everything in the path of the army or the uh, the invasion. Uh, the meat grinder, uh, the uh, artillery attacks and bombings and so on. And he says that the idea that Russia is weak is a myth. Putin has never been stronger. Uh, the Putin's exports, the Russia's exports are climbing, whereas our economic growth, and he's talking about the United States and NATO, uh, our collective economic growth is declining, and Russia is growing ever stronger. And Russia must, he says, must remain strong to deter bad actors like Japan and China, because Russia is stabilizing the region of, of Central Asia. Oh, my God. And he says Russia is neither imperialist nor is it communist. Therefore, it is a force for the good. Whereas NATO, yeah, NATO is not united. Um, NATO is critical of the war. And uh, you know probably a good deal about this because you have been among the people yeah. uh, in Europe lately. And you have heard, you've interviewed them, you know what they're feeling. And he goes on about the tanks from Germany. He says, those tanks will increase the Russian attacks. And besides that, you can't fight Russia with just a handful of tanks. And he went, right at the end, he says, our promised 51 uh, M1 series tanks will actually do very little good for 51 tanks against the force of the Russian army uh, because it has been decided, he tells me, as, uh, uh, as a colonel in the army, it has been decided not to armor those tanks with the latest armor, which is um, pr just about proof against anything, but not out of fear that the Russians will get hold of that te uh, technology, the, those tanks will be armored as the tanks in the 70s, 1970s were armored. And so they will be sitting ducks for the new Russian army, which will number 700,000 new recruits. And, of course, we've heard this on both sides. Um, but... Um, but the new recruits, even though they uh, will contain conscripts and, uh, and kids, kids who have had no training and, uh, um, and uh, uh, mercenaries and mercenaries, uh, the, the sheer number of them uh, will win the war for Russia. There's no question in his mind. And then he goes on to say, um, uh, Putin didn't want to fight in the first place. He was forced by the West. Yeah, he is only fighting because of threats from the West. And he says, um, Ukraine, he goes on to blacken the, the name of Zelensky, telling us that he is a corrupt uh, leader of a gangster regime and he's sending his soldiers to die for nothing and he will not last long since he is totally corrupt and Putin will do away with him with his new army and the army will come slowly uh, because of caution against the impulsive incoherent and erratic behavior of the West and Biden, Great Britain, and Germany were, were named as erratic and incompetent. They just and the three most competent uh, nations, right? America, uh, Great Britain, and... Uh, and Germany, yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And then he says, Schultz won't last because he's out of touch with reality. <laughs> Okay, so that is uh, Colonel McGregor's 
uh, case. And he is absolutely convinced that we will be watching the decay and death of Ukraine and that we will probably try to make a dirty deal uh, with Putin in very short order when we see that there is no hope because uh, Ukraine is so depleted and uh, in such bad shape because all of all of its uh, uh, infrastructure has been destroyed systematically by Putin. As he should, of course, because he's maintaining uh, order in uh, Central Asia. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that's the case on the right. And now I will give you the case on the left. On the 9th of February, in the Express News, Thomas Friedman's uh, uh, essay on the same situation uh, was printed, and I think he gives a very balanced view, but it's leftist, of course, yeah. at the same time. And I think Thomas Friedman has been a force for uh, for reason, uh, in my view of things. Always, always reasonable. Yeah. And uh, my favorite priest, who is no longer with us, he uh, he died of heart problems um, a couple of years back, um, always read Thomas Friedman and quoted him. Um, he was a Jesuit, of course, <laughs> my favorite priest. Um, but uh, anyway, and I, I agreed that Thomas Friedman was somebody to keep track of. So he begins his, his essay by saying, uh, why the abrupt switch in the United States from total ignorance of Ukraine that we couldn't even find on a map at that point to all-out support? Because, and he agrees with McGregor in saying that we have no skin in the game beyond advice and munitions and money, of course. But we don't have our troops and uh, our, uh, our own pilots and so on in this war. Uh, and he says, the world we live in today is based on American power and has been uh, since the uh, Second World War. We have built and protected a liberal world order since then. And we have been upholding this world order, which has brought um, the U.S. and NATO together to help Ukraine. It, and this world order has uh, opened up markets and prosperity that the world has never seen before, also. And... He's, he says, uh, and there again he agrees with McGregor uh, in saying that we had it easy in year one because all we were doing was spending money, of course, uh, to send munitions and advice uh, and information to Ukraine. But year two is not going to be easy. And uh, the question is, are we going to stick it out? Are we going to hold on? Because Putin is doubling down now, and uh, he gives the number of new troops as 500,000. And the McGregor probably is more accurate. He gave the, the figure at 700,000 new fresh troops, a new army. And he says... Mass is important, however, filled with incompetence. And I, I went through that with McGregor, too. McGregor says the same thing. The overwhelming number is going to be important because it is almost equal to the entire population of Ukraine at this point. But, um, but he says the hidden hand of the market will never work without a hidden fist. So world prosperity, the, the world market, will have to be upheld with force. Somebody has to keep order. And that somebody is the United States. Will we stick it out, he asks again. 
we are in more danger now than since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Are we up for the challenge? He quotes, he quotes Robert Kagan. Do you have you uh, come across that name before? Kagan, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure, yeah, where where from, but uh, I know Kagan's name. No, uh -huh. well, he has published a book called "The Ghost at the Feast: America and the Collapse of the World Order." And uh, Kagan is Kagan says since World War II, American isolationists have supported the use of U.S. power to support liberal world world order because of the market forces involved. Um, and he quotes from Kagan quotes FDR, and I think this quote is worthy of being read in in its entirety. Roosevelt said, there are times in the affairs of men when they must prepare to defend not their homes alone, but the tenets of faith and humanity on which their churches, their governments, and their very civilization are founded, unquote. Wow, very powerful and, and uh, very accurate. Yes, I think so too. So in both world wars and the Cold War, in addition, uh, Americans acted not in immediate self-defense, but to defend the liberal world against militaristic authoritarian governments, just as today in Ukraine. And that is why we choose to do that. We are, we know Putin um, is challenging the very basis of our civilization, and we must resist. The Americans have, uh, uh, Thomas Friedman goes on to say, Americans have two separate interests. One is focused on the security of the homeland, and the second one is focused on defense of the liberal world beyond our shores. So, number one, uh, conforms to um, to preferring to be left alone, in other words, to isolate ourselves, to avoid costs and responsibilities and moral burdens of exercising power abroad, and two, is, uh, two is in uh, defense or in the fear, the anxiety, uh, of liberal people about becoming a lone island in the sea of militaristic dictatorships. And so there's a whiplash between those two, those two interests. And we're accustomed to keep them separate. Uh, the first one, the security of the homeland, um, and hoping to be isolated and uh, and not worry about the, the rest of the world, uh, is a material concern. And the other one um, is values-centered, moral, the moral, uh, liberal order, the free world. We, we keep them separate, but they're actually intertwined because you can't have a moral, liberal order in a free world if you don't protect it. Don't fight for it. Now, he goes on, Friedman does, to speculate what Putin actually wants. Uh, he wants tradition, and tradition means going back to Stalinist Russia, because that's when he grew up. Honor means uh, the greatness of the homeland. Um, honor, identity, and, um, and power. And China also has the same sort of uh, moral stance, if you can call it a moral stance, uh, also concerning Taiwan. So uh, Taiwan and Ukraine are uh, the objects of the desire of both these leaders. Um, and of course, both of them are militaristic and uh, totalitarian. 
the Republicans, uh, Thomas Friedman says, have always been isolationist, and they were uh, in the run-up to World War II. They were pro-Mussolini, and they were pro-Hitler because he was a bulwark against communism, which was the great fear and bugaboo of the early half of the the post-World War One half of of the 20th century. Uh, so Hitler was desirable for the isolationists in this country, the America Firsters, uh, because of that. Be- because communism couldn't invade if we were uh, in the lap of Hitler. <laughs> and, wow. Wow. And fortunately, we had Roosevelt, who uh, who helped uh, Great Britain survive and who got us into the war, and we won it. And therefore, the world order and uh, concern with uh, world, the liberal world order um became the uh, the rule and has been the root of the peace more or less I, I don't count the uh, the little wars we got ourselves into and you can't call them little because they cost many lives that they shouldn't have in uh, Vietnam and Afghanistan uh, but that relative peace uh, in the world, thanks to the liberal world order that was begun, uh, thanks to the policies that the United States carried out after World War II, during World War II, of course, as well. So this dichotomy between the two interests that uh, that uh, Friedman defines here, uh, the material and the moral um, will be at the center of debate in 2023. It is already. But um, any deal, uh, if we make a deal, if we make a dirty deal, and this goes back to McGregor, if we made some kind of dirty deal that leaves Russian forces uh, in Ukraine, uh, Putin will not be satisfied and he will start another push. This is what Thomas Friedman uh, predicts. I think he's right. Yeah, right. And so if we become an isolationist power, uh, you can't avoid being an island in the middle of a set of dictatorships elsewhere. And ultimately, I think, and Friedman did not say this, but I think that the logical conclusion of his argument, which I think is brilliant, uh, is that we too will become a dictatorship. Amazing. Well, I mean, that's, that's a nightmare scenario, and it's uh, yeah, and and you know, some people believe, but uh, yeah, please continue. Now, there's one. A little bright spot that came out in today's newspaper, and uh, it is, um, I'll simply read this, I think, mostly. It's very short. It says, Ukraine's supporters have circulated the proposed resolution for adopting for adoption by the 193-member UN General Assembly on the eve of the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of its smaller neighbor, that, and this is the resolution, uh, would, it would underscore the need for peace, ensuring Ukraine's sovereignty, independence, unity, and territorial integrity, quote, unquote. The General Assembly spokesperson, Paulina Kubiak, uh, said Friday, that a reactivated emergency session of the General Assembly on Ukraine will start on the afternoon of February 22nd. Dozens of speeches are expected to continue through most of February 23rd, and the vote is expected late that day. The proposal, the proposed resolution is broader and less detailed than the 10-point peace plan that Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky announced at the November uh, summit 
of the group of 20 major economies. This was a deliberate decision, that is, this, this resolution was deliberate a deliberate decision by Ukraine and its backers uh, to try to gain, gain maximum support when it is put to a vote. UN, uh, UN diplom diplomats said, speaking on condition of, of uh, anonymity. And so that is a hopeful, a hopeful sign that such a re re resolution will be debated and perhaps passed, most likely passed, uh, in the very near future, which means that we are, we are um, buckling down on support of Ukraine. The absolute support of Ukraine and and throwing Russia out of Ukraine completely. So there we are. <laughs> My gosh, yeah, it's heavy. Um, one, uh, well, go ahead. I uh, yeah, I don't want to cut you off there, but I mean, I I have so many thoughts on what you just said. And yeah, well, I'm I'm very, done. Yeah. Uh very I'm reasonable. done, so I want to hear your thoughts. Well, first of all, uh, Colonel uh, Douglas, uh, I'm trying to think of his last name. It's not McGaw. McGregor. McGregor, right, um, is, a, is a very uh, harsh and uh, pessimistic um, or has a very pessimistic viewpoint of, of the world, I think. And he sees, uh, you know, he, he talks a lot like those isolationists uh, back who were appeasing right. Hitler. And mm -hmm. um, if, you know, if we are to look at Putin as being any kind of savior, um, we just have to look back to, uh, you know, the, the 30s, uh, pre our involvement in the war or pre pre World mm -hmm. War mm -hmm. Two to to realize that that doesn't work. You know, trusting a dictator to somehow some way be um, uh, uh, be any option or alternative is uh is just out of the question uh the difference there right the difference uh there in regards to um uh hitler is that hitler had a had a terrible alternative and the terrible alternative was joseph stalin who if not for adolf hitler would have been the greatest villain of um, the 20th century hitler of course mm -hmm. trumped everyone and Stalin, um, you know, fell into the uh, into the background, but killed uh, probably, you know, comparable to what what Hitler killed, uh, even his own people. I mean, Stalin was a terrible dictator. Uh, so you yes. understand. And again, in retrospect, nobody can understand uh, supporting Hitler for any reason. But when you uh, when you put it all in perspective, he was uh, the argument against communism was an argument yeah. against uh, Stalin, who was a terrible dictator. Here, when you're making an argument for Putin, there, there is a democratic and a very honorable option that nobody can compare um, uh, Zelensky, who's, who I think has been wonderful during this possible, uh, process and, and, uh, and very heroic, uh, but no one can compare him to either Joseph Stalin, Hitler, uh, and or Putin. And it's uh, it's a clear night and day white hat versus black hat situation. There is no reasonable no, human no. being who who should ever feel that we're better off with Putin than uh, Zelensky and the rest of the others. And quite frankly, right. uh, the the thought over there was that if Zelensky goes— well, Zelensky, if uh, if the Ukraine goes, um, yeah. they they used to say when I first got there, when I first got to the uh, the war torn area, or the, or at least the uh, the refugee sites, uh, what everyone was saying, all eyes on o on Odessa, and uh, that's uh, you know a, a part of uh, the Ukraine that um, is close to Moldova or somewhat close to Moldova, and the people in Moldova um, felt. That they would uh, they would be next if if the Ukraine went went down then uh, then soon after that uh, Moldova would go and then you know just one by one uh, we'd have mm -hmm. to watch Putin um, and also there was a belief that uh, Putin wanted to um, 
reforge the Soviet Union, or at least in some yeah, uh, right. in, in, in some uh, situation. So to me, um, the the colonel has no leg to stand on on, on anything that he said. He gave some interest, in, interesting statistics that I didn't know. I think he said uh, you know something along the lines of 156,000 Ukrainians have already perished in this. Now I don't. I, I have you found those numbers to be cross-checked and accurate Doc? i have no idea i haven't had time to cross-check them but um but that was a combination of um of all the deaths all the deaths in ukraine and apparently uh it is a uh, an accurate an accurate count does so, that include russians uh, uh, no, 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 no. That's just, Ukrainians. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's a tremendous amount of loss. That's that's a hundred thousand less than we lost, than you, uh, America lost in all of World War Two, World War Two, yeah. and um, so that's a tremendous loss. And the the Ukrainians that fled, um, and uh, and the refugees that are out there are gonna, um, you know, lessen that. Yeah, uh, Ukraine will be a shell of itself. Uh, by the way, yeah. last month. One of the reasons I went to, um, I took a sip of water here. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, one of the reasons I went to the uh, uh, the Baltic nations, uh, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the Balkan nations, I should say, um, was uh, because the this was the last region that really had a prolonged war in Europe, and I was asking some people in in various interviews and different uh, uh you know on on different topics but all having to do with the Ukrainian war uh, or or I should mm-hmm. say Putin's war on the Ukraine uh how long would it take something like uh, the Ukraine a country like the Ukraine to rebuild itself after Putin uh makes uh makes it a, a mud pile and someone said well the the closest uh, comparison that you could uh, that you could probably come up with is uh, is what happened in in the former Yugoslavia. So I I went to all the nations in the former Yugoslavia. Uh, in the past, I've been to uh, uh, Croatia and and to Slovenia, but those are the only two that I hadn't been to. Um, you know, prior. I, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. On, on this last trip, I went to the other seven, and quite frankly, if this is what the Ukraine has to look forward to um, if uh, if they were to uh, to, to lose, um, it, it's it's not a pretty picture. Uh, for right. example, mm-hmm. Serbia, uh, and and I found the Serbs to be very polite and pro-American, uh, but mm. keep in mind they are pro-Putin, one hundred percent. I mean, they're you know they are at least the government. Is behind um, is behind Russia and Putin yeah. on this uh, on this particular endeavor, but the the hatred of the Serbs from the the other nations, um, you know, certainly Albania stood out, uh, and they hated the Serbs. Uh, I sat mm-hmm. on a um, on a on a long plane ride with a, um, a nuclear physicist who's from Lithuania, and. Mm-hmm. He uh, he is very pro. He and and his country are very pro um, uh, Ukraine and Zelensky, and uh, had nothing but terrible things to say about Russia, the Russian uh, people for supporting uh, Putin, and and obviously Putin at the top of his list. Um, the one discovery that I had here, and I I knew nothing about uh, those uh, those. Um, uh, Baltic uh, areas, right? The uh, um, uh, Estonia, Latvia, and um, and Lithuania, but in mm-hmm. in this particular case, I I made a note, and and I didn't spend much time in uh, in all three, but I did spend a day each, in uh, in the in those three countries, um, but Latvia. Out of uh, out of all three, stood out to me as being cold and being, uh, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, uh, uh, dark and and nasty, you know, like the people. And you know, for example, I noticed some recording announcements that they had recorded announcements that uh, that were played over and over. Uh, you know, for example, um, uh, things that said, uh, if you're 
if your uh, um, uh, your your paperwork and boarding passes are are, are not uh, are not ready, and this is a recorded message. I said, uh, you uh, your behavior is uh, uh, is detrimental to uh, the airport, to this and that, and 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 they, there's this long, uh, exaggerated, uh, almost admonishment of uh, of please have your passports ready, right? And mm. and you know it's you know to me it was I, I was like wow am I hearing this or am I am I misunderstanding this? So I said it to the Lithuanian on on the plane and others chimed in uh you know other people chimed in and they were lithuanians and they said that it's a big controversy you know of of how they are and uh and then they started to tell me they said well lithuania i'm sorry latvia latvia is the uh you know the harsh harsh ones but the lithuanians were telling me that um that latvia uh, uh is is made up of half russians and that they're supportive no matter what they say and no matter what what's going on there there's a there's a strong support for Putin and the Russian uh-huh. way of life uh from Latvia so i mean that's something i'm reporting back and again it's a small sample size i'm not saying it's it's comprehensive but uh but latvians uh, much different than um, th- than what I found to the, the Lithuanians and and the Estonians to be like. Uh, for some reason, La- uh, Latvia was um, uh, was uh, you know very pro, very much uh, pro. Um, uh, well, harshness and 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 very Russian like. Um, mm. Lithuania mm. has a capital. Uh, it's uh, uh, villainous. It's uh, it's I I think it's pronounced uh, villainous. And uh, when I was over the airspace, um, ready to land, a uh, a reminder from my phone or or a notification, I should say, came over and it said, uh, uh, welcome to Belize. I'm sorry, uh, not to Belize, to uh, Belarus. And Mm -hmm. uh, and and it said, uh, uh, you know the charges uh ten dollars a day will be, I'll, I'll send you uh doc so you can see it but to, to the listeners out there the um it was a little startling because Belarus are very close uh very close uh-huh. to putin and in fact i I had yes. made mention when I was leaving when I was planning on leaving uh the Ukrainian area I mentioned to some Polish troops that I had gotten friendly with that uh, that I was planning on going out through Minsk and they talked me out of it and uh, uh-huh. and they had suggested that uh, that I could be detained uh, and that others are being detained and they're saying that uh, wow. it, that it's going very un, un, uh, unreported but that Belarus is very much um, in the pocket of of uh, Russia and of yeah. Putin which you know which we all know uh, in fact they said that that Belarus means uh, one one you know I think he was a, a captain, uh, rank of captain in the Polish army. He said it's uh, it 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 it's literally means little Russia or beautiful Russia, you know Belarus, uh-huh. yeah. and that um and that they're Russians, you know that these these are these are Russian folks, and um and and the other you know support that they have in this region uh, is, is Serbia, and by the way. Serbia, as as much as I said that I, uh, I I appreciated their politeness towards me and towards Americans, and they were very nice. Um, they're hated by the the neighboring areas, uh, but they mm-hmm. had the strongest infrastructure. They had the strongest highways. I was uh, I found mm-hmm. myself while I was driving through those seven countries that uh, that we've talked about here that uh, that I was. Um, uh, I kept going back to to Serbia because the travel was so much easier, and mm-hmm. it was so much more polished as a uh, as a nation. Still a third world nation, as far as I'm concerned, but the um, uh, the highway was uh, superior to anything close by. In fact, uh, Bosnia Herzegovina was uh, was so poor I was lost for hours uh, on oh, on side roads. It was uh, mm. it was it was unbelievable. So anyway, the. Uh, Russia, as they uh, as they go forward, if they if they don't lose this war, if this war um, is, is is a quick one, um, you you could uh, you, you could see the strength of of Serbia, and and I would imagine that Latvia, just from what I'm gauging here, Latvia would be 
um, would, would eventually side with with Russia. Again, I'm no expert, and it's a small sample size, uh, but that's uh, my belief. Uh, the Scandinavian countries are all with uh, the Ukraine, and they're very much uh-huh. uh, anti anti Russia. And I, you know, uh, you know, I found them to be wonderful. I've been to all Scandinavian countries uh, this uh, this past calendar year, and and three of them. Uh, on this this most recent trip, um, you know, I found the people to be uh, wonderful and whatever, and and nothing at all uh, like Russia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if that's helpful, but uh, that's that's my quick yes, little report. Yes, it's very very interesting uh, because um, yeah, I mean it, it, it comport, comports is that the right word? Anyway, it agrees yeah. with. Uh, uh, with with the uh, preconception I have of uh, of that area and the attitudes, although I didn't know that the Balkans were uh, Latvia uh, was uh, on the other side. That uh, that kind of surprises me that they they aren't more united. Officially, but they're it's not. It's very yeah. interesting information. Yeah, of- yeah. Officially, Latvia I think is on the side of the Ukraines, but uh, uh, but the Ukraine officially. officially. Uh-huh. But I, I don't. I don't think that's real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be an interesting year coming up, um, and I'm sure that Fox News and uh, and other isolationist voices are going to be very much pro Putin and making uh, McGregorish um, excuses for uh, for his behavior. Uh, and um, and telling the world how wonderful he is. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is an unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. task. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Doc, I think Friedman um, uh, came through as being reasonable once again, as always. And um, Yes, he did. Always yes. been very impressed with him. He recognizes the problems. He recognizes the fact that uh, the Ukraine is in very, very tough waters here. Uh, and without us uh, sincerely and and truly helping out, uh, they are lost. There's no question, especially with this new uh, army of somewhere uh, around 500,000 or 700,000 new fresh men. Although a high percentage of them will be fairly useless because they will be un- untrained recruits, and then there are the mercenaries and uh, and what was the other group? Uh, but in any case, uh, they're not going to be the, uh, the peak of military efficiency. That's for sure, yeah. and that is uh, is going to be helpful to Ukraine. But on the other hand, I mean, Ukraine's army has been decimated. It really has. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So, uh, well, one of yeah. the one of the things, and I, I actually think uh, our president uh, has handled this as as well as he could have, um, or as well as anybody could have, to be honest with you. And I don't think he gets the credit for it. Uh, one of the, one of the thoughts I have, and I've had from day one, of, um, of of this conflict is that uh that my biggest fear is world war 3 and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's set up perfectly for that by the way the the pronunciation we we know is nato uh many of the people over here back when i was in the ukraine and now uh they say nato uh, i don't know uh-huh. yeah i don't know why uh, you know just uh, you know and i don't know that it matters but they'll uh, they'll talk about nato but the the general feeling is is that nato is uh is the uh is the equivalent basically to to the allies uh in yes, right. uh, in world war 2 and the uh and then the axis powers are uh, are made up of uh you know it, it's starting to take shape of russia um and you know probably north korea and china right would be uh, mm-hmm. would be there the serbs uh but i mean you're talking about a very uh, a very formidable uh, set of foes much more so than uh, than what we had in World War II, and simply because China um, 
uh, you know, China is some in my mind is so much stronger now, and they have yes. slave, slave manpower, and they could if, mm-hmm. if it turns into a hand to hand, which it won't. But I'm saying uh, they could just throw people out like they're silly putty, and uh, and and that's right. You know, yeah. and they will not they will not give it a second uh, thought. Uh, for what uh, for how uh, China uh, views humanity and um, my my thought and and I was I was very depressed and I never get depressed I was very depressed over in the Ukraine um, for for the first several days because I was convinced that this is going to be World War three uh, the second NATO mm-hmm. shoots down anything it's how is it not World War three it's the allies yeah. against uh, you know against Putin and I think at that point, um, all bets are off. I, you know, and, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but I know uh, Albert Einstein was asked uh, what uh, what he thinks the weapons will be used for World War Three, and he says, "Well, he said, I'll I'll tell you this. I don't know, but I can assure you that the the Fourth World War will be fought with sticks and stones." Um, in other uh-huh. words, he was alluding to the fact that we'll be we'll be blown back to caveman time, and yes. um, mm-hmm. and uh, I always had that thought in mind that that we can, as a society, survive a third world war. And uh, you know, I started thinking, you know, my four children are they going to actually see um, a uh, you know the destruction of our world? And uh, yeah. and and mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just make one last point, and I'll be quiet before we uh, uh, wrap up, but. Um, I never thought we'd see a, a terrorist attack on on American soil uh, the size of nine eleven, and of course that happened. Um, I never right. thought mm-hmm. I never thought we would see anything like the internet, uh, and and you know here it is uh, that happened. It took us into the space age. Uh, everything that comes uh, after that, I never thought we'd see a worldwide pandemic where uh, where mm. people would be wearing masks and people would be right. uh, mm-hmm. you know closing down and working from home. I never thought I'd see that. So uh, finally, I I never thought I would see a third world war. And when I went over there, I started adding all those things up and saying, well, there are a lot of things that I didn't think I would see. And, and, and we've seen them recently. Uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very concerned about uh, a third world war. Oh, absolutely. I think the world is, uh, that is the, the free world is uh, military and militaristic dictatorships are not so concerned, uh, although they should be because they will be annihilated too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, great job as well, always, Doc, job. and uh, and and Friedman once again. And I, I again, I I, um, I can't say I agree with much from uh, Colonel Douglas. Um, oh, it's a Magruder. Uh, the uh, you know. Uh, it's McGregor. McGregor, right? McGregor. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't say I agree uh, with. Although he had his facts and 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 toe, uh, he certainly did. And um, uh, you know, some of those statistics uh, stand out in my mind, especially the the yes. death toll in in the Ukraine. That is a tremendous death toll. And, uh, yeah, it certainly is. And he also might be right about us not getting the straight dope from um, from everybody. We're getting, uh, you know, the, uh, the people are propagating to uh, to kind of keep uh, the uh, the interest uh, or at least some hope alive for the Ukraine. Right. Um, yeah. Yes. And I'm not exactly. Sure that, yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not sure that that's uh, um, that's not accurate. What uh, Magruder said. So anyway, that being said, uh, final thoughts on this? Oh, well, I hope that uh, this move in the uh, uh, United Nations will uh, will consolidate things uh, in NATO and NATO yeah. uh, and, uh, and put some backbone into us again because I think we are weakening a bit. Uh, in our resolve to uh, to maintain uh, Ukraine's resistance against Putin, and uh, there are too many voices in Congress right now that are saying, oh, "Maybe we should do a dirty deal." Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's my fear and my hope at the same time that that this move in the in the UN will uh, will be helpful to strengthen our resolve. 
uh, to keep going because uh, as Thomas Friedman and uh, this man Kagan also, Richard Kagan also, believe that our civilization depends on it. Yeah. So oh, listen, I'm I'm with you, and and in my mind that um, that uh, we uh, we uh, should support financially uh, at all, virtually all costs to uh, to try to keep the Ukrainians alive and uh, and and uh, success, uh, you know, hopefully succeeding and survival, uh, you know, might be the the same word at this point for the Ukrainians and. Um, in my uh, in my mind, um, you know, I just don't want I you know I don't want NATO pulling the trigger, and uh, and turning mm-hmm. us into a third world war. But financially, um, I'm all for it. I'm all for uh, um, us supporting them financially. Right, uh, it's just a matter of uh, attrition because they are simply being destroyed bit by bit. Um, the bombardments continue, and uh, the civilian population is being decimated. Uh, Russia is just indiscriminately destroying everything yeah. in Ukraine. So it it will be just a pile of rubble um, at the end of this, I'm afraid. Uh, and I don't know how Ukraine can continue to exist under those circumstances. So McGregor McGregor's prophecy may uh, may come about that yeah. Ukraine will simply uh, simply be bombed and and strafed and now uh, invaded again uh, until it's completely out of uh, out of people. Yeah, I, I... out of out of any intact buildings, any electricity, anything, running water, everything gone. Yeah, the the, the part that. Uh, that that I find you know highly uh, uh, objectionable. I mean, uh, you know, I understand uh, that standpoint that Ukraine could be, you know, bombed back to the Stone Age. Uh, you know, that part I'm not saying is uh, is crazy or unreasonable. The part that uh, that gets me is uh, is is that somehow or another Putin is uh, is holding off. Um, is holding off uh, China and others uh, from being, you know, whatever. When you start looking at, I, I can't agree with um, uh, with um, uh, 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 Magruder less when he starts talking about uh, Putin being some kind of uh, option uh, to uh, to China. Yeah, and that's right. That's right. Yeah, he's the savior of uh, stability in uh, Central Asia. So therefore, he is good. Yeah, yeah yeah all right doc well thank you very much excellent as always and uh and and to everyone out there to everyone out there um be safe and uh and be supportive i believe i, I think we're unified doc in saying be supportive of the ukraine and uh and it, it is it's not even an option um we gotta hope that's right that, hope that they survive thank you doc and thank you everyone for listening Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.